Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. Knew that was going to happen. Knew that when we started trying to do the show over the stream and over the internet, that uh, the football game would somehow screw us up. But, hey, we'll just forward our way through. We are here to talk about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night. Even when they decide to put college football games on or NFL football games on, that... Nobody's listening to Matt because they'd rather listen to Spooky South Coast. The WBSM audience, they'd rather hear this show, but they're contractually obligated to play those NFL games. So that no, I'm just kidding. People, people want to hear the football games. And uh, but uh, we will talk to you here over the stream and over our YouTube feed and over the Paranormal Radio app and everywhere else that you can get the show. I better make a clean intro out of that so that uh, we can rerun it on Dark Matter, Digital Network, and not use the word sucks, right? I think we can use that. How about I turn your mic on, too? That would help. Yeah, maybe. You think uh, you think that's all right? It's not one of the seven words you can't say on television. So no, I, think it's it's, uh, I think it's appropriate for the, si- for the situation. Yeah, well, you know, it's the holidays, so we kind of let our hair down, or lack thereof, in our cases. If Moniz was here, we could let our hair down, and right. Stephanie, but they're not here. They are uh, actually uh, they're out this week, but uh, hopefully everybody will be back together next week. I, I have put out some feelers for a great end-of-the-year guest for next year. Uh, I'm actually in discussions right now with trying to get him back onto the program. But, uh, well, I say back onto the program. We've had him on before. I'm trying to get the amazing Kreskin to join us for next week's show because we had such fun with him last year. Oh, yeah. He was we a only, great guy. Yeah, we only had him yeah. for, like, I think a half an hour. So I've requested trying to get him on for an entire hour next week, which might be hard because he's an older gentleman, and even though I think he's on the West Coast, it's still going to be pretty, uh, still going to be pretty late mm-hmm. for a gentleman in his you know mid to late eighties. Is he um, doing another another show around here? Uh, I don't know. I I just had reached out because Phil wanted to have him on, yeah. so. Uh, I didn't really look at what his schedule was outside of just seeing, like, what dates he had free. Right. Because I wanted to make sure we could, like, line it up with a Saturday night. But I didn't actually look at his calendar, but I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. He's got a lot going on right now. Uh, there's a, a He just joined a new, you know those new, like, apps and websites where you can have celebrities record personal greetings for you? Right. He just joined one of those. and uh, And apparently they're making a movie about his life. Oh, that's fun. So, uh, you know, we'd love to talk to him about both of those things, as well as get some of his predictions for 2019, talk about some of his 2018 predictions and see how if those came through, uh, came true. But it uh, looks like uh, he's in in Indiana on January 5th for a private show. He'll be at Lucy's Laugh Lounge in Pleasantville, New York, 
in January 12th. Uh, then he's in Florida, January 18th and the 20th, and then he's in Canada, February 1st. Wow. He's still he's still all over. Yeah, he gets all over the place, but uh, doesn't have anything booked for next Saturday night, at least not according to this, so hopefully we can get him to join us. Now, I know some people think that... Uh, they think that Kreskin is more of a showman than he is a, a predictor of things, and, and that's fair, and even he says that himself, but... Uh, it's still entertaining to talk to him. Just to hear some of his old Hollywood stories, too, talking about Johnny Carson and right. some of the folks that he knew. I'm surprised that they haven't had him on the Gilbert Gottfried podcast yet. Or at least if they did, I missed it. Why did did they uh, mention him? No, but he would just be the perfect guest to have on uh, that show. Yeah, I think I'll reach out to Frank and make that suggestion. If you have not caught that show, it's one of my favorites. I listen every week. This past week they had on Mickey Dolans from The Monkees. Who, I'm sorry, like, I know that it might not be paranormal, but I still want to get on this show someday. Yeah. Because when I had my Saturday morning show, we had Christian Nesmith on, who's the son of Mike Nesmith, and we were going to try to get Nez on the show himself, but things didn't work out. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, but I would love to have, you know, just even a half an hour to talk to Mickey Dolans. And yes, Gilbert is hilarious. I'd love to have Gilbert on this show, and I've let Frank know that. I'd like to have Gilbert and Frank together on this show because they are huge horror movie fans. And uh, they spent um, they spent a great amount of time, I think it was in the Mickey episode, yeah, the Mickey episode, talking with him about Rondo Hatton because Mickey's mother had worked with Rondo Hatton in movies. So, like, if you can get that deep with some of your horror knowledge, I think they would make spectacular guests. And I'm just going to call a little BS on Bart L. in the chat room right now. He's saying that right. Gilbert Gottfried is going to be on the Wootacular tomorrow night. <laughs> tomorrow, hey, you never know. Tomorrow night, the Bart L. Christmas Wootacular will make its debut. It's going to be a really huge show, but I'm, I'm not going to be part of it. Because Bart L. doesn't doesn't bring the snacks for us like he does for other shows. Are you aware of this, Matt? I don't want to move the monitor because it's going to come crashing down. What's but that? Did you know that Bart L. brings snacks to the other shows? He does? Midnight in the Desert, he always brings I know this poutine, a dessert. Right? Yep, he brings poutine to Spaced Out Radio <laughs> with Dave Scott. Yeah. What does he bring to Spooky South Coast? Nothing. I don't know. I, I haven't gotten anything. So because he doesn't, he, he doesn't want to bring anything to our show... I said, well, you know, maybe in protest I won't do the, the Christmas Wootacular. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to listen. And you should as well. Tomorrow night, kingdomofnighradio.com. He said he's looking after your health. Well, I, then I, I appreciate that part. Now I feel bad. Apples and I'm, I'm guessing it's supposed to be granola. Now I feel bad if... Unless granola is something He else. had the best of intentions, and I'm... I, here I am calling him out for that. Also, what does that what does that mean? what does he think about Dave Scott and Dave Schrader if he's bringing them sweets and gravy covered French fries with cheese curds and all that? I, maybe maybe I'm the legacy. Maybe that's what it is. Right. <laughs> maybe maybe he wants to make sure that I can stick around forever. And uh, there is a suggestion in the chat room too that says uh, if if we're going to have the audiences make predictions for 2019, and I would absolutely love to do that tonight. Actually. Uh, where the phone lines are open. We're going to have them open throughout the show, 508 996 
877-996-1420. If you would like to call in... See, here's the thing. Is last week, I put out the call for auditions for the Week in Weird. And we had a lot of people that did audition. And I have to say that we got some really, really great auditions. So our decision is very hard to make. And I think we might put it in the audience's hands. Because there's different pluses and minuses to all the different folks that want to do it. You know, we had Michelle join us last week. She did a great job. We've had so many other videos that have come in, including one that just blew blew me away with the production value. Um, so if I had to be the one to make the decision, I, I it would be way too hard because I see positive things in everything, and I, and I wanted to have everybody have the chance. But to have everybody do it, they'd kind of all have to be doing it in the same format. And some some people don't want to do it uh, recorded. Some people want to do it live. Others don't want to do it live. They want to do it recorded. Some people want to do audio only. Some people want to do video only. Uh, so it's kind of hard to have everybody be on board if we have to keep switching up the format of how we do it. So I think what we should do is we should put it out to the audience and let them decide what they think is the best way. So I will take all of the auditions that people brought in to us and sent in to us, and I'll put them up on a, on a page on SpookySouthCoast.com with a poll there for everybody to vote. And uh, I'm not wearing the Commander Sonny Cito Roswell crash. This was, this was a, a like, gift from Michael Rock. It looks like a, uh, like a Dr. Dre tracksuit. It's if you look, I don't know. Tim if is I the Doctor Dre of the paranormal. If you see on this sleeve, it has the Fun 107 logo, and on this sleeve, it has the WBSM logo. So for for those folks that work here that only work on one brand, they got a, a different color that has you know just the brand name over the breast. And for those of us who uh, work for both brands, we got these ones that have both brands represented, and uh, so. I like I like the way it looks. It's comfortable as hell. So I said I'm going to wear this on the show tonight. But it does uh, it does look a little uniformish, but that's okay. I like it. Uh, so we'll put those up for people to vote on how they'd like to see the the weekend we are presented. I know Matt, you're a fan of the video format. Uh yes. You like it to be a pre-produced video that comes to us ready to go to be inserted into the live show. Right. And and what's the advantages of that? Because then we can kind of keep it as a, a separate breakout video, right? For for that to exist kind of just on its own? Yeah, I like it uh, as like something that I can put out later just for people who just want that segment. Yeah, and, and what I think too is if we did it right, you know, we could have that maybe other shows wanted to pick up the week and weird. So of course it'd still be, you know, a spooky South Coast production, but if people wanted to run it during their shows they could. Um so that's I kind of like that idea, too. And we've toyed around in the past with having people read the stories live, and then we react. And then we were talking earlier about how kind of stopping the story to make the jokes that we want to make or, you know, have some sort of a comment. Sometimes it seems like we're forcing it when there isn't anything to say. And so maybe just by having it be a pre-produced thing, then we can kind of jump in either at the end or where we feel we feel we need to we can just pause it or what have you so we'll put it up there for a vote and i i think that 
This is the show for the people, so we should let the people decide how they want the show to be. So we'll do it that way. And um, so, yeah, when I put up on social media a, a couple of weeks ago that we wanted to have auditions for The Week in Weird, some people got the wrong idea and thought we were trying to collect personal paranormal stories. And what's funny about that is we take those anytime. Anytime you have a story that you want to share with us of something that you experienced or something that you're not sure of or questions that you may have, we'll take those any day of the week. We don't have to be live on the air. You can send them to us during the week through email, through Twitter, through Facebook, and we will get back to you on that. But, you know, we always have portions of the show where we can take phone calls and have you share things with us, or, or maybe your experience is just good enough to be the entire show. But that option's always on the table. So if you're listening, don't ever feel like you have to, you know, wait for us to put the call out to, to share something with us. That's what this show is for. It's here to be your paranormal sounding board, in addition to trying to bring you, you know, interesting guests and interesting topics and hopefully interesting discussion. So, but tonight, because there were so many people that wanted to share personal stories, you can do so by giving us a call, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. And as suggested in the chat room, if you would like to call in, and if you would like to have your prediction kind of put on the record for 2019... Because these shows go up on YouTube, they go out to podcasts. So if you put these, if you if you make a bold prediction, we'll say, I didn't want to say. Well, if you pull a prediction out of your ass, and you're not really sure, or you just want to goof around, keep in mind it will be saved for posterity, and we will go back and check. Now I say that every year, and we never actually do. Like every year when we do some kind of prediction, I always say, well, we'll go back and check that when the year is over, but we never go back. At least I don't. Maybe maybe other people do, but if we did that, I mean, geez. I'm sure Dr. Turry made some predictions back in 2008 that we never even bothered to check if they'd come. We've had some pretty interesting people on this show making predictions in the past. And people might feel like we didn't believe in them or they didn't come true or anything because we've only had them on once. It doesn't mean it didn't come true. It just meant that we were lazy. We didn't go back and look to see if any of them came true. But uh, I'm still trying to get over the trauma of Dr. Terry not wearing a shirt <laughs> on the video chat. Just was not expecting right. that. There are certain guests that, you know, I would expect them when they connect with me to be shirtless. Dr. Terry was not one of them. So, I want to make it. Was, it. was it because he was a doctor? And usually, it's the other way around for doctors. No. I don't know if it's that. I think it's because every photo that I ever saw of him, he was like such a well-dressed gentleman. Mm -hmm. You know, that I just, you know, and, and he explained why, but, you know, he lives in Arizona and it was hot. Right. <laughs> but my other question is, if you live in Arizona and you're a doctor, can't you afford to have air conditioning? That would be uh, 
That'd be like the first thing I would need if I lived in Arizona. Like I wouldn't even live in Arizona if air conditioning wasn't already on the table. Right. But that just could be me. So here's a prediction for 2019. Dr. Turry will get air conditioning <laughs> if he doesn't have it already. Right now there are HVAC companies mm-hmm. in Arizona looking up Dr. Lewis Turry so they can just try giving him a call. When was the last time we had him on? That that time he was shirtless? Did he come on after that? No, I don't think we ever did. Hmm. I think because He's I... He's still around. Oh, yeah. 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 He's got a podcast, I think. Yeah, and he comments uh, a lot on some of the uh, the threads online and some of these things. But uh, maybe we should have him back on. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you do know the reason why we, we never really had him on. It had nothing to do with the fact that he didn't have a shirt on. Oh. Well, it's because I, I couldn't follow anything he was talking about. Well, it was uh, it was uh, it was all about riding the head of the dragon. The head of the dragon and the tail of the dragon right. and all the different parts of the dragon. It was way over a head. And I was like, I don't get this at all. <laughs> but it was interesting. It, well, it's fun just to hear him talk because he's so passionate about what it is that he's talking yeah. about. Sure. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe we will reach out to him and have him come back on because it has been a while. And now we have the ability to pull the video from the Skype call. Mm-hmm. So if he decides to call in again with no shirt, we're putting him on spooky TV. <laughs> yep, exactly. We're not gonna we're not gonna let that opportunity slide by. Uh, I do want to make a prediction for 2019, and maybe I'll make a few more. As you know, as I'll put it out into the, the to the ether. I'll hold my hands to my head, Kreskin style, and you know, see what kind of things come to me. Uh, but I will make one prediction that I know for sure should come true in 2019. And I think we're going to start to see more paranormal shows developing for television because we've had a, a, a run the last couple of years where it seems like paranormal shows are on the decline, and especially uh, investigation shows where there's investigators out in the field and going to haunted locations and taking mm-hmm. on cases and all that. We've seen those shows kind of wane. I'm like, yeah, okay, we had you know Haunted Live this year, we had Haunted Towns last year, but it's, it's still the Tennessee Wraith Chaser. It's still the Ghost Asylum guys, just in a different format. So I'm not really counting that as being too different. But we, we've we seen less of those shows and more of the dramatic recreation shows, where somebody's sitting in a, in a room in front of a camera telling, telling the, the story of what happened to them, and then they do cutaways to actors reenacting what it was that, that they experienced. And those shows, for some reason, were on the rise over the last few years, which was cool because I liked the fact that the paranormal was going more in a direction of not so much about can we prove it, will we prove it, is this place haunted, is it not haunted, and things were starting to go in the direction of let's just go back to hearing a good story. Let's just go back to accepting the possibility that this stuff is real and hearing about people's experiences with it. And I was a fan of that movement because I was getting kind of tired of seeing everybody running around in the dark with, you know, EMF detectors and and uh, infrared cameras and all that stuff because it looks the same. And I don't care how cool your group's logo is or, you know, how different all the people in your group look or what your techniques are even in your investigation, when I'm watching you all in night vision, you all look the same. Somebody coming in or are they going into... 
don't know if somebody's coming in here if they're going into the sub subway boat. Okay. So that's I was gonna say, do you think um do you think we need a break? Do you think the the I don't do you think I, we need a break from T V um like a maybe a lull to kind of give it like a rebirth, maybe like in, in a year or a year or two? No, because I don't want to see it go away. Because when when it starts to go away, it's going to take a while for it to come back. So I want but, there to be. But we're going to come back stronger. I don't know, because I want there to be that constant vein of it, so it continues. Because I'm looking beyond the entertainment factor. Mm-hmm. But if you if you look at the fact that it has increased the acceptability factor of talking about these things, I mean, you know what it was like, right? For the first, you know, five years of this show, we really couldn't talk to people about what it is that we did, you know? If we told people we had a radio show, and they'd be like, oh, what's it about? Uh, it's about the paranormal. You know, it wasn't really something that was generally that accepted. Now it's it's cool to a lot of people. So if we go mm-hmm. into the store and we're wearing a spooky South Coast shirt and people say, oh, spooky South Coast, what's that? Oh, it's my radio show. Oh, is it a paranormal show? You know, like now they're just making that connection and hoping that that's the case. Whereas opposed to before, you know, sometimes I would just say, oh, that's our that's our radio show. And then just kind of walk away before they can even ask what it's about. But I feel like there's more of that acceptance in, in these constant television shows, what makes it more acceptable. Because sooner or later, everybody's seen one. And so they realize if it's on TV and it's part of a reality show, then there must actually be some thread of truth to it. So I don't want it to ever go away completely. But I wouldn't mind if there was a retooling in what was coming out. And I think that it does kind of ebb and flow. And I think that right now we're getting to that point where we're getting back into the investigative side of things, just judging by what I know of some of the things that are in the works and some of the pitches that I've seen that are out there and some of the people that I've talked to who are, um, you know, out there shopping pilots around. So we will get more of an investigative standpoint. And what's interesting about that, though, is when you do that, when you bring back the investigative style, you can't just jump back into the same stuff you were doing in 2012. You know, you've got to have new techniques. You've got to have new equipment. You've got to have new ways of trying to solve the questions. And I think we will see that. I'm already excited about the fact that, you know, Echovox has gotten onto television, finally. After how many years have, have we been using it? Oh, right. You know, we've been using it for a long time. And the, the, I think it was, what, 2012 or 13? I don't know, whenever the Haunted Objects book came out. And within six months of that, you know, Chris Balzano and I are filming a a sizzle reel for a, a show on Haunted Objects. And I'm saying to them, well, I've got the one thing that we definitely need to use is this, this Echo Vox. They're like, well, you can't use that because it's, it's an app and it's on a tablet. We can't put that on TV. It's not going to look good on television. And so they finally found a way to get past that. 
to be able to incorporate Echovox into these TV investigations, and it's it's made a big difference. It was huge on Haunted Live. The stuff that was coming through during that show was amazing. And now uh, Paranormal Lockdown started using it. And what's funny is these this is something that people in the field have been using now for years and are getting really good at it and getting great results from it, but people are still not realizing that it's out there because it wasn't on these television shows. So instead, what do you get? You get people that are following Steve Huff, who is just garbage, in my opinion. He's still around? He is. He's still around, yeah. I thought he was stepping away from the paranormal. Uh, That lasted about 10 minutes. Right. Before everybody was like, no, Steve, don't go. We need you. Who else is going to play pre-recorded clips in their YouTube videos to make it sound like they're actually communicating with spirits? Right. Anyway, <clears throat> but with with more of uh, these shows, we can start getting you know outside the box thinking when it comes to some of the devices that they're using. Echovox just being one of them, but the fact that people are no longer just trying to buy the latest thing that they're seeing on TV or trying to trying to get the latest gadget that. Uh, that you know another show might be using, or that two or three developers are actually using on 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 these shows. We're getting a lot of ingenuity. Like we have a friend, and I'm not going to put his name out there just because I don't want people to start hitting him up and bothering him for stuff. But we have a friend that that Matt and I know personally, who's been in this paranormal game for a long time, and who is constantly trying to come up with different ideas. And it's stuff that he just makes from stuff you would have around the house or things that are relatively cheap to get. He was showing me one thing where it's, uh, you know, it's just a bunch of lights and, and some cascading water. But amazing things come through it. And that's something anybody can make. All you need is a garden hose and PVC pipe and some Christmas lights and you're good to go. But it's that kind of thinking that I think is going to drive these investigative shows forward because you can't just rely on the same technology from show to show. It was in the early days of Ghost Hunters, just the fact that they were looking for ghosts was enough to drive the narrative of that show alone. They kind of experimented a little bit with putting more of their personalities in the show in the early days, but they realized that they didn't need that. With Ghost Adventures, they kind of worked some of the personalities into those shows to make them interesting. And we've seen that happen a little bit with some of these other shows that are out there. But just looking for ghosts isn't enough dramatic tension anymore. Now it's, you know, can we come up with a new piece of equipment where we can find a new way to communicate. That's where the drama lies, and which is what the television networks are looking for. I say it all the time. Don't get me wrong. No TV network is saying, we're, we're greenlighting the show because we want them to find the existence of ghosts. They're greenlighting the show because they say, this will be an interesting hour of television as they are looking to see if there are ghosts. So just the end result isn't enough. There has to be something along the journey. So anyway, that's my roundabout way of saying we're going to see more investigative shows 
in 2019. Now, other paranormal predictions that we can make? I think we did predict rightly a few years ago that we were going to see a rise in cryptozoology because that was kind of the, the red-headed stepchild of the paranormal for a while there. Ghosts will always have their place because, well, we've said it before, we'll say it again, every culture believes in ghosts. Every every culture has a word for ghosts. I mean, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say they believe in ghosts, but they have a concept of ghosts uh, and a word for ghosts. And, and they have their own legends and lore associated with them. So that will always be part of the, the paranormal discussion. Well, you could say that about uh, like something like Bigfoot, like... There's plenty of uh, cultures and uh, out there that have their own version of Bigfoot or Sasquatch, right. or and so those will be part. Those will be part of the discussion, but not enough to make it like a spotlight mm-hmm. of the paranormal. I think the problem was was there just wasn't enough going. Like so, if you we we can go anytime. We can bring somebody to a haunted location. There's plenty of them around, mm-hmm. and give them the possibility to experience a ghost. How often can we bring them somewhere where we can give them the possibility of encountering a Bigfoot, right. using that as a cryptid example? You Unless, know, it's, uh, it's you, much you more with, of a crapshoot. Uh, Greg Newkart's uh, theory that Bigfoot is a ghost. Right. Or if you have Dana go with you and, and do her Bigfoot call, right. which is pretty pretty right. entertaining, even if it doesn't always work with bringing out the Bigfoot. It's hard because it's, it's essentially uh, you're trying to find a wild animal, and which is very unlikely anyway. Right. So it's it was always kind of the, you know, you might have, a, as a paranormal group started, and everybody started taking on their roles. You know, some groups might have a, a cryptozoologist in their group. But for the most part, it wasn't the sexy thing to do when it came to being a paranormal investigator. Finding Bigfoot hits television. Some of these other Bigfoot-related TV shows hit TV. And all of a sudden, it becomes a sexy role to have. And so people are like, oh, yeah, I'm a cryptozoologist. Oh, but, yeah, I've been looking for this all my life. And, you know, and it becomes part of this paranormal subculture. But that's going to go away because they're not finding Bigfoot. It's it's a little bit more of a show me kind of example. It's why it's why aliens have never worked and UFOs have never worked as an investigative program. There was two shows called UFO Hunters. Neither one of them lasted. There's never been a show where they can actively go out and search and look for UFOs or alien encounters in real time and be able to present that to the audience. It doesn't work. Instead, what you have is you have dramatic recreation shows of alien encounters, or you have ancient aliens looking at things from a historical perspective. But there's not enough there to make it so that people can go into wherever they might go. So send people into the Bridgewater Triangle, where there is a high level of UFO sightings and and, and alien encounters. Put them out there. Arm them with all the best equipment they could have. Night vision goggles, telescopes, uh, you know, high-speed photography. 
whatever it could be that would help them actually capture evidence of UFOs, and you're still not going to get a you're not going to get a television series out of it. Maybe you can spend uh, six months making an hour long special, but it's just not going to work. But yet, aliens still seem to stay in the paranormal discussion all the time. Far more, far more than cryptids do. If I had to put a list of, and this might be biased by my own personal interests, but if I had to put a list of what I think are the, the prevailing topics that people are interested in in the paranormal genre, ghosts are far and away number one. I would put UFOs and aliens at number two because there was a time when there was a great subculture of people that were UFO investigators, but it was always after-the-fact investigators, people who collected stories, people who became, you know, from one perspective, the Project Blue Book investigators, from another perspective, the MUFON investigators, you know, those who went to places where people had already had an encounter and documented what it was that they experienced, but not people that were going out and actively seeking those experiences. So I think that that's a, a very strong number two, but still there's a big gap between the ghost and the alien interest. And I think cryptids are probably the number three behind those. But there's even greater of a distance. Now, we have a homogenous look into the paranormal, which is something that we didn't have for a long, long time, where you couldn't, you couldn't actually look into both you know, cryptids and ghosts or, or aliens and ghosts. You couldn't cross the streams, so to speak, because you had to stay in your lane and there was a lot of animosity from one school of thought to the other, from one type of investigator to the other. There wasn't a lot of crossing over and there wasn't a lot of agreement. And those days have kind of changed. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad that we can all kind of work together and that a show like this can look into any one of those areas of interest. But there's still that big gap in terms of the audience for each. So if you were going to look at a, at a demographic of, of people that are interested in the paranormal and you were going to break it down by category, and there have been studies that have done this, you know, ghosts are pretty high. Was it? I think it's something like 75% of Americans said that they believe in ghosts or think that they've had a ghost encounter. Hmm. That's like around that range. It's, it's very high. That's pretty high. I don't think it was that high a few years ago. I'm trying to think of what the last numbers were. But oh, we, could, we could look those up. But I want to say it was 2016 was the last study that I saw. And it was pretty high. But then the number comes down for aliens, and the number for some reason really comes down when it comes to Bigfoot, which to me is the most believable if you are a rational thinker. Now, do I think that Bigfoot exists? I'm not sure. I don't have a strong inkling that he does. I see you found something there, Matt. I can see the reflection on the screen. What? what uh, so this is the... Um a survey from Chapman University in 2017, um, but it doesn't give 
specific ghosts, aliens, uh, Bigfoot. Okay. Um, there, what they did a survey was, um, so 55% of the people that they surveyed believe ancient, uh, advanced civilizations just, um, such as Atlantis once existed. Uh, 52% of the people that they, uh, surveyed believe that places can be haunted by spirits. 35, aliens have visited Earth in our past. Uh, 26, aliens have come to Earth within modern times. 25, uh, some people can move objects with their minds. 19% said fortune tellers and psychics can foresee the future. And 16% said Bigfoot is a real creature. Hmm. I'm taking a look at uh, a couple of different statistics uh, for the last few years. And, and Huffington Post links to some of these and some other sites. Uh, but they're looking at roughly like a 40-something percent. You know, one is 44%, one's 41%, but some, you know, somewhere in the uh, low to mid-40s in terms of belief, belief in ghosts. So I was, I was wrong. Uh, but still, that 44% number seems lower than what I've read other places, too. They, al- they also say that... Um Twenty-five point three percent of Americans do not believe in anything paranormal. How many? Twenty-five point three percent do not believe in anything paranormal, and that's so. That's seventy-five, roughly seventy-five percent of the population do. It's really hard to to say though that you don't believe in anything paranormal, because there's a lot of things that fall under that umbrella. So that means that if you don't believe in anything paranormal, that means you don't mm-hmm. think that uh, you know remote viewing is possible. You I, don't think. I that, think like even like things like superstition fall under paranormal. You think so? Belief. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, what what basis does that? Right. I mean, aside from like st- uh, statistics. Yeah. So belief in luck right. could be considered paranormal. Like the that I'm sure like there's people in that 25 percent who've had a rabbit's foot or don't step on a crack or. Or yeah. you know wear their wear their Patriots jersey every Patriots game because if they right. don't the Patriots are going to lose. Right, I, I I qualify that as uh, in the realm of paranormal. Well, or at least beliefs anyway. So my my numbers were definitely off, but still I think the gap is still there between ghost belief and some of these other things. But one of the often underappreciated aspects of the paranormal is like psi phenomena. You know, sixth sense stuff, ESP, telekinesis, telepathy. Things that are probably possible that we just haven't reached yet. And the reason why those don't get that much attention isn't because they're less prevalent. It isn't because they're they're less believable. Because they're probably more provable than anything else. But we don't talk about it so much because how are you going to make a television show about that? Mm. How are you going to make a TV show about somebody that has those type of abilities and have people believe it? We see what goes on with the, you know, the, the shows, the psychic shows. And if Stephanie was here, you know, she could talk to us about the way that some of it is presented. But, you know, look at the Long Island Medium, probably the most popular, quote-unquote, psychic show on television. 
And how many people look at that show and just don't believe a single moment of it because it's so easy to fake it if they wanted to? I mean, I wish uh, Stephanie was here, but I, I would I would like her opinion if uh, if she thought that because there's so many like charlatans out there or have been in the past that it's kind of tarnished. Like I guess the present day mediums and psychics. Oh no! I mean, I've had those discussions with her off the air all the time, and mm-hmm. she says absolutely. The fact that like one one bad apple or spoil the whole bunch. It's not even that there's charlatans either that hurts it. Uh, and and she will she will tell you this, uh, and I think we have talked about it a little bit on the air with her too. Mm-hmm. It's not the ones who are intentionally faking it that do the most damage. Mm-hmm. It's the people that don't put a value on what it can be. So it's the people who just have those glimpses of a psychic ability, have those glimpses of intuition, have glimpses of a connection, and feel like that's enough Mm -hmm. to put themselves out there. And that's like the equivalent of, um, you know... Me being able to throw a football, I really can't, but me being able to throw a football and saying, okay, I'm ready to go quarterback the Patriots. Or, you know, you, you're, you're a really good guitar player, but you're not out there looking for a record deal for yourself. You know what I mean? Right. Because you know that, yes, you have the talent to play. And you know that with the right factors, you could probably get to that point, but you just don't. Do that. You don't exercise right. that enough. You just you're happy to do it as a hobby. And it's not. Do you still play? I uh, hear that. Yeah, yeah. But you, you you're not looking to make it a career. Right. Right. Um, but but, I mean, um, I don't. It could be um, also that like there's. I can imagine that there's got to be like this um, immense pressure on like a psychic, psychic or a medium. Uh, because they're they're essentially getting if especially if they're getting paid they're getting so much in uh, a gallery reading or so much a uh, um, a session so in order to um, kind of if they don't think they're getting enough or giving the their customer a good enough uh, bang for their buck I mean the temptation is there to maybe stretch the truth a little right bit. to exaggerate and to put you some know, dramatic which, flair into it and which I mean, I don't know. Is it? Uh, can you admit, or can you? I guess uh, I don't know. Say that you're you're wrong well, when you, uh, or like say that nothing is coming through, or. Well, I mean, I've heard plenty of good mediums say, "Sorry." You know, we've had it here on the show where people I mean, have they- called in for readings and they've said. I'm just not getting anything. I mean, I think I would rather have a medium uh, tell me that they're really not picking up anything for me than to make up something like... Well, and oh, especially if they're not going to take my 50 bucks. Right. If they're saying that they're not going to... Oh, your, your, your great-great-grandfather or whatever is coming down and talking to you just so happens to be like Albert Einstein. Something like that. Well, Eileen just said in the uh, in the chat room, she said, a family friend had a reading from a famous psychic, and she asked her if she will live a long life, and the psychic said she would. A few weeks later, that family friend died. So, I mean, not everything's going to be 100%. There's got to be stories like that that happen. If that same medium had, 
you know, that same psychic had five or six people coming at us with that same story, then I might get a little bit even more worried. But I think there's got to be some of those. Uh, Johnny in the chat room says, you know, everybody has to start somewhere, though. And that's right. Everybody does have to start somewhere. But, I mean, that that could have also been, like, maybe she just didn't want to say... You're that dying. She, that she yeah. wasn't going to have a right. long life. Right, you're going to die in three Maybe weeks. she wanted that person to just kind of live live the rest of their life like they were going to have a long life. My I mean, I don't, I don't want to defend a, right. a, a psychic that could very well be full of garbage. But Yeah, pseudonyme says the rule of thumb in psychic readings is not to touch deaths. Yeah, I would I would stay away from that if uh, if I was one. But so... But everybody does have to start somewhere. That is right. But there's also, you have to be able to kind of manage the expectations of people. So, you know, I played guitar for a little bit, but I would never charge somebody $5 to come and see me play because I was terrible and it wouldn't even be worth your $5. I think it's worth 5 bucks. But if Matt was going to do a show... And he's like, hey, I'm playing at this location coming up, and uh, it's just going to be a $5 ticket. I would tell people, like, go and see Matt play, because for the $5 that you're going to pay to go see him, it's going to be a really good show. But I wouldn't say the same about myself. But I know that if I tried, and if I practiced, and at least I put the effort in, maybe I could get to that point where it makes it worth that $5. I don't know if any psychic is ever going to be worth what they charge. You know what I mean? Because there can't be 100% accuracy. Right. So it's never like you can say, oh, you know, it's $585 for half an hour reading with that psychic. I mean, I guess you could... they're worth every penny. I guess you could also say you're not not really necessarily paying for accuracy either. You're paying for the experience. You have to go into it with that understanding, yeah. You know? But uh, it's it's a slippery slope. And Stephanie's talked about it before. She talked about it Mm -hmm. on the air and privately that... You know, you have to get to the point where you figure out how much time you're putting into it and how much time it's taking out of your life. And that's how you kind of determine what the value is of those readings. So it shouldn't be that it's worth $500 just because you've been on TV. It should be that it's worth $500 because the amount of work that you've put into getting to that level of where you Mm -hmm. feel confident in what will come through in that hour of time that you're giving somebody that you feel that's what the value is. We've talked about this, Matt, our whole lives. When you and I were flipping eggs, making $4 an hour. Actually, I don't think you ever had to make four. You came in at $4.25. Yeah, you came in at the (laughs) $4.25. That was a long time ago. But we're sitting there flipping eggs, making $4.25 an hour. And we're seeing these people that are coming in that are in different you know, different fields, right? but that are, you know, making more money than we are. And we would sit there and talk about it. Be like, you know, all that guy does is rake yards and he's getting $20 an hour. And we're in here working our asses off, sweating in this kitchen to make $4 an hour. Like, how is that fair? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, you know, it's it's not really, except that that's the premium that somebody's put on that service. Mm-hmm. Is somebody said, you know, having somebody come and raking my yard is worth $20 an hour to me. And so that's kind of like where it is with psychics, too. It's it's where 
people feel yes. like the value is. Right. I mean, that that too, it's also like a matter of perspective because maybe like he, that person thinks like $20 an hour is not worth um, just raking leaves. Maybe he would rather flip eggs. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all a matter of perspective. But if you're somebody that feels like, okay, I'm a psychic. I'm a medium. I'm going to start charging $100 for a half an hour reading. And you don't get many bookings at that price. You know, do you reevaluate that price and say, mm-hmm. okay, well, maybe I should just do a lot of readings at $50 a half an hour and get my name up there and build my reputation up there? I think that's where the, the temptation comes in, where they, they, they think, do I lower my price or do I start embellishing? And that's that's where I find the the biggest um, issue with some of these these prices that people charge is. And we're not saying like all of them do it either. They don't. Yeah, but but a lot of them don't. They mm-hmm. say, nope. This this seems to be the standard. So this is what my going rate is. And but then the 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 inverse of that is, you have people who are. And I know, and Stephanie would talk about it if she was here. And I think she's talked about it publicly, but I don't think she would mind me saying. And I know plenty of other mediums and psychics that say the same thing. They don't like when people are on social media giving away free readings. Mm-hmm. Because it's a lose-lose for everybody that does it. Because if you are terrible at it, you're still going to get a lot of people that are going to want those readings because they're free. And you're giving them garbage readings that are going to make them think that there's nothing to this. So why go spend money on somebody who is better? Right. Because I got a free reading and it was terrible. Then the other side of it is, if they give you a free reading and it's really, really good, well, you've just completely devalued that for everybody else. Because you gave this really great reading and didn't charge anything. Right. So it's a it's it's a problem across the board. Now people are thinking about that when they do it. They're like, "Hey, I just I'm I'm working to get better at this, and I don't want to I don't feel comfortable charging people, but I want to have this experience." And then sure, then give free readings to the people that you know, but you have to understand like you're impacting somebody else. If there were if there were were only like some sort of uh, organization like a um, Lily Dale where there was like a uh, kind of a like, like a testing board. Yeah, yeah. Like a like a counselor or, or something that could kind of uh, give that like stamp of approval. I mean, I go through the same thing as a lecturer, where there's all these conventions that go on. <clears throat> but then you, you don't want to create it like like an elitist, uh, elite like psychic society or something. Well, I mean. Because then it would make make it hard for like up and coming psychics to kind of get out there. But would you feel that there is that kind of a would you feel that there's that kind of a wall like between you know the artists that get on the radio and the musicians that are just playing coffee houses? I mean, is there there's there's still that opportunity for that advancement? There's still that chance. Right. Um, well, I mean, I guess that was that was a, a, a situation like prior to the internet with 
musicians and artists. That's they, true. Yeah. Like there was, like you had to get a record deal. Now, yeah, now there you, is kind now, of more of an even playing field in terms of right. trying to get exposure. Right, yeah. and I think that's the same with uh, with any field now. I guess. I mean, uh, just going back for a second. So going to this is well. Here's a great point here. Uh, John in the chat room mentions momtographers. Uh, they buy a camera, they take bad <laughs> pictures of their ugly kids, then their ignorant friends tell them how great they are taking pictures. Pictures, and that's that's what happens. Can I just say I've never heard that term before, but I love it. Momtographer. <laughs> yeah, Listen, I don't mean this is any right. disrespect to anybody nope. out there. No, definitely not. But how many people do we know that like, oh, here's my Facebook page and here's my photography page, like. As cameras have gotten more affordable for people, right, and great cameras are out there and easily attainable, everybody's a photographer. I, I have a camera. I would never call myself a photographer, nor charge anyone. Right. <laughs> I don't have a camera, and I can't take good photos. I tell people all the time when they ask me to take photos, I'm not good at it. When people hand me their cell phone and say, can you take a picture of us? I'm like, I am not the person I, I want to ask for this. I, take, I, I follow the rule of, uh, I just take five. Yeah, I always take multiple. <laughs> From, uh, yeah. But I am not good at it. And so, like, even in a professional setting, if I'm going to cover something, I'm like, well, are you sure you're sure you don't want to send a photographer too? Are you sure you want to leave it up to me to try to get some shots? Mm. You know, like, one of the things that they want us to do when I cover football games, high school football games, is they want us to do video tweets. You know, like tweet out some video of like when somebody's going to score a touchdown or something like that. And I say, I still haven't mastered in, in 18 years of covering high school sports. I still haven't mastered being able to write down that somebody just scored a <laughs> touchdown. And you want me to do that and take video at the same time? Right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I just go back to, uh, you might remember this. There was, uh, that day all those many years ago when my aunt got married. Oh yeah, yep. And uh, and you and I were the caterers. That's true. And we attended the wedding. And we attended the wedding. <laughs> and I DJed the wedding. Yeah, yeah. That was great. All that was a good time. time. We had we had no business doing either job. Nope. But I don't think we got paid. No, we didn't. It was my gift to them yeah. because I so. couldn't afford to give them a gift. You you get <laughs> get what you pay for, <laughs> right? <kinda. laughs> so we us, we we made a bunch of pasta and salad and uh, and I burned a bunch of discs. And uh, we rented some big ass speakers from uh, Runa Center. Yeah, that was fun. And uh, and that's uh, the best part was. Hey, the, we had a good time. I think the best part is if you remember right, um, we had those speakers at my house because I rented them for a week. Oh yeah, yeah. So we had those speakers at my house, and I think for some reason wasn't there also like a football game around the same time or something? And we had we had like a keg at my house. Was that the same maybe, time? Maybe, maybe. Remember the time when I got a keg at my house and. Not enough people showed up and not enough people drank. So yeah. you had to come to my house like every day to help me try to empty the keg. Right. That was a, uh, <laughs> I th we made a valiant effort. <laughs> He's like, I was like, uh, you coming over, Matt, for beers later? Like, oh, I'm so sick of beers. <laughs> Matt, there's still yeah. half a keg left. Please yeah. come over. I think for it was beers. Old, old Milwaukee, too. Oh, yeah. It was the cheapest <laughs> keg that we could get. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh so yeah. one of the things, uh, that I experience is, you know, if you go, to some of these paranormal conventions, I try to get myself booked as a lecturer at a lot of different conventions. Sometimes people ask me. Sometimes I ask people if they want me. But, you know, and I charge money for that. I go out to libraries and I give presentations. 
and I charge money for that because I put time into creating these presentations and presenting them, and it's something that only I can do the way that I do it. I mean, I know there's lots of people that, that do it, but the, only I can do the lecture that I've created. Mm-hmm. So I charge money for that. But then you get people that are like, oh, well, you know, put me on your poster. I'll, I'll come and talk for free. So not only are you devaluing yourself, but you are now devaluing everybody else because people that don't know any better are going to say, what's the point of me paying X amount of money to bring Tim in if Matt's going to come and do it for free? Right. I can save that money and still have a speaker. Now, no offense to you. I'm just using you as an example. But Matt as a speaker might not be the same as me. Matt might only bring 12 people into the room, whereas I would bring in a full house. You know? Right. I might just show up and read from a Wikipedia entry and call it a day. Right. You know? Where you would come in and actually prepare something and be entertaining. And Listen, it's 2018. There's no excuse for you to put up a presentation where it isn't a multimedia presentation. Mm-hmm. At least have a little... They make projectors that fit in your pocket now. Pardon the, uh, pardon the expression, Bart L. But, you know, it's not that hard to put a little sizzle with the steak. And people expect that. Like, when I go to see a lecture, I'm not expecting to watch somebody talk or to watch somebody read from a book. Like, if that's going to happen, I'm kind of like, I'm going to zone out on this. I'm going to be looking at my phone during this. But if I walk in and there's a projector going, Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to be a little bit more engaged in this. Now, it's totally the fault of society that that's the way that I am. But that's how it is. And it's not that hard. It's not that hard to just throw that stuff together. But people aren't going to put in the effort. I look at it like this. When I make an agreement to go do a lecture, and I have already discussed with them what I'm going to get paid, Mm -hmm. I need to deliver something that is worth that money. Right. Just having me come and talk isn't worth anything. But having the presentation that I'm going to give is where the value is. So, you know, I have no problem saying to somebody, uh, you know, and like, how much is that lecture? Well, well, if you want me to come and talk about this, it's this much money. But if you want me to talk about this, it's a little bit cheaper because I haven't really done that one in public yet, and I'm not sure how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. So if you want to save a little bit of money, you know, we can try that one out. But it just it's not as seasoned as this other one may be. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem telling people that. It's almost like um almost like stand up, I guess. Like how Right. Like how long of a and uh, how long of a set do you want? Yeah. You know? Um like for example, I'm gonna be out at a bunch of different libraries coming up in the winter and I've never done a winter presentation before. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be talking about presidential paranormal. And I've booked a bunch of libraries where I'm gonna be talking yeah. about some of these stories. Um the first one, I believe, will be February 6th in Plymouth. Nice. But I've never done this presentation before. I have no idea how many people are going to show up for a paranormal presentation in February. So the rate to get me to come and talk in February is not as high as it would be in October. Because I can't guarantee you you're going to get as much of a, a full house as you would in October when people are really interested in this. And it's okay to kind of have those parameters. But to just show up and... and, and give it away for free, doesn't help anybody. Now, I'm not saying like I need to be getting rich off doing this. I just think people should be compensated for their time. And if somebody's running a convention 
And there, let's just, we'll use, you know, Rhode Island Comic Con as an example. Just look at the, the, the way that that has grown and the huge numbers of people that that brings in. Right, yeah. Now, I happen to know very well the ins and outs of how that operates and the costs and what they pay because I've been friends with Steve and he's given me full-out explanations of how it all works. But if you look at that on the surface, it's a huge moneymaker. And it is. I mean, they do well. They have they a huge amount of expenses, but they do okay. Nobody should be going to Rhode Island Comic Con and saying, like, I just, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do for free just so I can be a part of it. There's no reason to do that. Mm-hmm. They're making money. Get something for yourself as a result of it. And so that's part of, you know, that's part of the deal with psychics, too. Don't give it away for free if you expect to someday get paid for it. And I know that it's easy to look at paranormal stuff and say, well, you know, you can't charge for an investigation because you don't know if ghosts are really even there. And that's 100% true. A ghost, uh, a paranormal investigator is not an exterminator. You cannot walk into a house and do an investigation and hold up the ghost at the end of the investigation like you can an exterminator will with a rat. So you can't prove that you've had any effect on what's going on there, so you should not charge. But I've never had a problem if people were like, well, but I have to drive four hours to get to where you are. So I will come and I will do the investigation, but I'm going to need you to reimburse me for my gas. Mm -hmm. I don't fault anybody that does that because you are not getting paid for the investigation. You're just getting paid to get there. Right. Yeah. I could see that. And I've, I mean, that's reasonable. That's reasonable to ask. I've I've always felt that that's fair. Or some investigators, especially if you are you are being approached. Some investigators will say, you know, um, just you know, just provide us with some uh, some food, some you know, dinner or some snacks or something. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's okay, because you're not offering a service that you can't prove. But then you would think that you would say the same thing about psychics, right? You would think that there's really no proof that they're connecting with what they say they're connecting. But it, it is different. It is you're paying those people for their time. It's not like you're calling them in. I mean, and, and it does it does fluctuate a little bit. Because, you know, Stephanie will charge you for a reading. If you call her up and say, I want a reading, she has rates that she charges for those readings. But if you call this up and say we need an investigation, and Stephanie came as part of that investigation and mm-hmm. used her abilities as part of that investigation, obviously there's no charge as part of that. So it's it's kind of a weird thing. But it has to be there. There has to be that. That compensation for them, mm-hmm. especially if that's what they're going to be doing. And, th- and a good one is putting in the work to get better at it. I mean, is that is is that okay for our groups to kind of go around and solicit that? Like, hey, we'll investigate your house if, if you make us dinner. Well, it all depends like, on whose house it is. Like, if they're a really good cook, that's the first thing that I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, 
you know, like if a restaurant is like, hey, come and check it out, see if we're haunted. Like, okay, we're going to come for dinner first. And, you know, if you want to pick up the tab, that's cool with us. But I don't expect it either. Uh, it, it's just, it's it's weird. And I would like to think that at some point, you know, there could be compensation for people that do investigations. You know, because people put a lot of time and effort and, and their own money into doing it. That's true. I mean, some of that, some paranormal equipment is not cheap. But you would have to have some standards involved in what it is that you're providing for people if that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And there would have to be some conformity across the board with what it is that you're charging. So, yeah, if it's gas money and, you know, some spaghetti and meatballs, that's one thing. Then if they start getting, like a group, if they start getting uh, some compensation, then... Wouldn't that put pressure on uh, to present, uh, like present some sort of evidence at the end, even if there was none? See, and that's the thing, is you do have that feeling of needing to provide something for what it is that you're paid. And it goes back to what you were saying about psychics as to why they will kind of over-amplify some of the little things that happen as a way to... All right, let me let me put it to you like this. If I was... I'd be a terrible psychic, even if I had psychic abilities, because I would just say, uh, all right, Matt, I'm, uh, I'm picking up on a, on a male energy around you. Uh, it's an older male... Um, you know, uh, says his uh, name starts with uh, with an R. Uh, you know, black hair. You know, I just kind of give you all the information, and you would say to me what it was that you were getting, uh, uh, what it was that uh, I was saying was uh, was making any kind of connection with you. Mm-hmm. And I'd say this, and that. like I couldn't be the kind of person that would be able to put the emotion into it if the emotion is there. So I would be able to say, oh, Matt, this this person's really, like, you know, really wants me to tell you this. And, and he, he, it's like he's he's trying to say this. Like, even if I could perceive that, I couldn't vocalize it okay. because it's just not how I am as a person. I'd be like, I, I don't know what his deal is. He's saying something about, like, <laughs> something about right. a dog. I don't know. Like, but that's just me. So you have to be able to put a little bit of flair into what you're doing because you're speaking for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to take what it is that they're giving you and be able to convey that accurately. And so I think that that is going to bring you some degree of showmanship into what it is that you're doing because you have to be able to convey those feelings. So it has to be a bit of... Sell sell it. Yeah, it's it's not so much that it's, it's... It's not that it's wrong and it's not that it's disingenuous... But it's that you have to take somebody else's excitement and you have to take that excitement and bring it into that conversation. I don't know if I can do that. And yes, it is live. Uh, no, you can't call in for a reading because I'm not a psychic. We're just talking about psychics in general. Um, but the the absence of that being there is where the problem comes in. The absence of that emotion and then somebody bringing that into it to try to oversell 
what little bits of connection are there. You know, if you get good enough at doing readings, I'm sure you know what type of stuff normally comes through, and you can convey that. But I think a lot of times we see people that aren't that good at it that are trying to just overact. And those are the ones that kind of turn people off, especially because those are the ones that the media kind of gravitate toward. You know, like nobody is on television because they're a severely uh, accurate medium, severely accurate psychic, you know, hitting 90% of the time, but just have no presentation skills. Like, that's not going to get you on TV. You have to be able to bring it up. You have to be able to amplify it. You have to be mm-hmm. able to convey it in a way that has emotion involved in it. And that's why I'd be terrible at it, because to me it would just be information. I can read to you off a screen, and I can put inflection into it, but I'm not going to... I'm not an actor. And you have to kind of be a bit of an actor. So we've just had a bunch of people come into the chat room that weren't there before that are uh, jumping in there and asking all kinds of questions. So I don't know where this is going to go. So we'll uh, we'll take their calls, and we'll see what happens. Let me make sure I get everything turned up here for it. That was my fault. Hit the wrong button. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? No, there's there's nobody there. Hello, you're on Spooky South Coast. Nope, dropped off. Because I called them out and said that... Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Really uh, enjoy the stream. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I, I have this theory I have about how people are able to have, you know, kind of psychic accuracy about stuff. Have you ever, um, have you ever noticed that... Uh, I'm not trying to make assumptions about, you know, your gender orientation or sexuality, whatever, but a lot of guys will relate to this. Like, you know, we all have, a lot of us have people, and I'm sure this goes for women too, you know, people in our past and so on, you know, the ones that got away. Mm-hmm. And when we start talking to a new person and sparks start flying, suddenly those people all come out of the woodwork at once and just contact us and kind of ping us at the same time. Have you ever... I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say it's happened to me, but I, get, I have an idea of what you what you mean. Yeah, isn't that kind of strange, though? Like, people that you have had no contact with just suddenly, you know, drop a, a message or a text or something or a poke on Facebook right when you're experiencing a new con- uh, connection with someone else. You know, people that you've already had kind of a, a deep or kind of, you know, ships passing the night kind of connection with. So you think that you having this connection is putting kind of something out into the universe that is... I think that we all have that. I think that we're all kind of connected in that way and that some people can kind of, you know, feel that and that's why they kind of just ping you, you know, like, you know, me, I've done a lot, I, I've done a lot of my dating from the Internet and stuff. So it's like whenever I'm talking to a new chick, off, you know, all of a sudden I get new texts and messages from all these other chicks that have just totally, you know, dropped out and gone ghost. In a way, well, I mean, and I think that's because we're all kind of we're all kind of connected in some way, and the people who are you're doing the the psychic shows and the you know stuff like that, maybe they're able to kind of tap into that interconnectedness. And I don't believe in any of that stuff. Like we're all one, we're all connected. No, but like there that. there definitely but, is a uh, there is a sense of 
you know, just you can pick up vibes from other people. It doesn't mean yeah, that yeah. like you can read their mind, but you like, can. So like someone could be completely across the country; they would have no reason to contact you or say anything. I mean, the funny thing is, like, I knew from the moment where that call was going. Helps if you're not the same guy that calls each week and does it. And uh, <laughs> right, first time caller, last right. week. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, that that. The funny thing is, is that wasn't actually a bad. Uh, no, point. the point is there. Like right. the point is there. Let's just say you're you're a person that's that's lonely, and you are not really making a lot of connections with people in your life. Right. Uh, you know, you say you, you're somebody that says, "Oh, I I just want to kind of be alone right now. I don't want to really. I'm not looking for somebody." And when you are like that, it's going to pull you back, and it's going to draw you back a little bit from. Just in how you interact with people on a day-to-day basis, because you're 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 being kind of guarded, so that's going to guard you with other people. But when sometimes it just kind of smacks you in the face that yes, you've finally you've made a connection with somebody, and you are suddenly interested in that person and, and seeing where that can go, and it does kind of change your vibration a little bit. And I think that that does resonate with people that know you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I can say I've I've seen it happen where it is kind of weird. It's it's happened to me before. Like where, I'm a, like, I'm a pretty sociable, and it's, it it, it kind of tests it tests you. It's like, do I like why 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 are they sending me? Why are they giving me likes on Facebook now? You know, right? Like I'm I'm a pretty making sociable sec- guy. Making you second guess yourself, your your choices. I, I I like to think that I'm pretty approachable with people. You know, like I and and I don't mean approachable, like oh, like uh, you know, I'm I'm a big star or something. I mean, I like to think like people can have a conversation with me where I don't come off as as a jerk. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you know it's hard to tell, especially like if it's a so you know if it's social media, you really can't tell tone. And you know, if I'm if I'm busy or something, I'm not always the most attentive person. I give short answers. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes better if I just ignored people and waited till I had time to get back to them. But instead, I'm kind of like no, yes. So it's a good idea, yes. You know, but it's almost like if I'm feeling down and depressed and I don't really want to interact with people, it's almost like I don't get a lot of messages or emails or anything. It's like people are kind of picking up on that vibe that, you know, now's not a good time to try to initiate a conversation with him. And so I don't really have to tell people a lot of times, like, I just don't, I don't really feel like talking right now. <laughs> right. You know, like, it's just not good. You know, there's, there's always a few people that are in your life that, you know, pick up on that sense and, and want to talk to you because they're worried about you or what have you. But it's it's almost like when you're in that mindset, you're not getting people that are bothering you. And then when you feel like, okay, I think I'm okay now and I think I want to kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, step back into things and, and kind of... Right get out of my own head and that's when you'll find like people like oh i i just want to send you a message because i was thinking of you or just want to check and make sure everything's okay mm-hmm. you know so there is kind of that that frequency that resonates with people all right the phone lines are lit up so i mean well, i i guess stream only so we can yeah, just edit I mean, it we'll edit it out of the show that's the thing later. is like it it only matters like if you care and like we don't care, so we've been doing this for a long time. A phone call is a phone call. Yeah, you, know, you know, like you're not really getting us 
because we don't care. I have fun. I don't know why people. That, that's the thing. Is like you ever listen to those shows, uh, and, and sometimes it happens even here on this station, like during the week, when somebody does call up and, and pull this stuff, and like people get so angry, and like, how dare you? I've, I've got your phone number. Now, keep in mind, we have all your phone numbers. So even when you think that you're calling in private, the station pays a significant amount of money to make sure that we have your number, even when you think that it's private. But I'm not going to be one of those, I will give your phone number out on the air and we will have people call you and harass you. Or Listen, if you're going to be an idiot, you get treated like an idiot. We move on. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. What's on your mind? Yeah, I, just, I wanted to call in and, uh, you know, talk 2019 predictions. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think we'll get it. The border wall, finally. I mean, that's they got to figure that out coming up soon, right? I mean, the the, the house I passed, you know, the five point six or whatever it was. So we'll see how it goes to the Senate, right? And they really have to get it done before the new house gets sworn in. So well, no, because it's at the Senate. It already it already passed the house, right? But if they have to go back and rework the bill. Which oh yeah then then well, then then we're then we're beyond done because it's in shutdown right now. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But see, even getting the the funding, like what's going to happen? How fast is it going to get built? How much is going to get built? And then we're going to be stuck looking at part of a wall. Like if it doesn't get completed in two years, what if somebody else comes in and says, "Well, we're not putting any more funding to the wall. Are we just going to leave the stuff that's already built just sitting there? Uh, it's going to be an all or nothing." Yeah, I, I I can agree. Um, I also I, I your person the person before me or a couple calls back we're talking about vibes and stuff, and I, I don't know if I buy that because I don't know, man. I, I it it could just be the world or you know situational because if if it was really you know about vibes and five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Hello, you're on Spooky South Coast. Good evening, Spooky South Coast. I bring you greetings from beyond the grave. Well, thank you for that. Who, who are we speaking to? Of none other than Vincent Price. <laughs> That's a pretty decent Vincent Price. Do you do? Do you do? Uh, do you do any other voices? I'm the real ghost of Vincent Price, and I bring you warning. Tonight, you will be visited by three spirits. The ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. And these are no ordinary spirits. These are real... All right. That's... We're done with the phone calls. So, yeah. And uh, pseudon name says it. Like, Art Bell would have let it roll for a while. And that's it. That's exactly it. You give everybody enough rope to hang themselves with, and eventually they will. Right. So, I don't know. We had our fun for the night. Uh, if anybody wants to call in with a serious question, we'll know. 508-996-0500. Uh, why don't we take a break, because we do want to run uh, a spot or two, and we come back on the other side, we'll talk some more stuff. One of the things that uh, I do want to do in 2019 with the show is uh, I had mentioned before, we've done this in the past too, where we've told, because we don't really feature paranormal groups anymore. You know, like we mm-hmm. we stopped doing that a long time ago because, as we've always said, you know, the stories kind of just get this get to be the same. 
but one of the things that we do want to do is a lot of you, the paranormal groups that are out there uh, will go Facebook Live from their investigations, and they'll share, you know, at least a, a little bit of a live look-in with some of their investigations that they do. And I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago when I was at the Oliver House, and I, I did a Facebook Live from the basement there, and we were kind of putting it out there for people to see. Mainly, I was surprised just that I had that much signal in the basement of any house. Um, but, you know, there's there's just more and more investigations that are happening on Facebook Live, and I think that that's an entertaining way for people to see what these groups do. So... I know that we've said in the past that we don't really want to connect with paranormal groups uh, just to feature their investigations and to feature what they do. But if you go out and do a Facebook Live and you have some pretty good stuff that's going on, let us know. Uh, because we, I do want to kind of feature some of these uh, on our website. There's a lot that we don't do with our website. Uh, you know, we've gotten away from posting a lot of story because we ran into a lot of issues with copyrights and things like that. But if you're filming a Facebook Live and it's your Facebook Live that you filmed, mm-hmm. we can put it up there. So because we don't really want to feature groups on the show, that doesn't mean that we can't give you a little bit of a spotlight uh, on the website. Now, I know I haven't mentioned this to you, Matt. I know I'm just kind of throwing this at you. But it it, it occurred to me that, you know... Yeah, sounds it, like a good idea. It's a way to get the... And it allows us to kind of keep an eye on their investigations to see what ones are interesting and what ones might actually make good, worthy show material. So just keep that in mind. If you're a group that goes out there and does these investigations, obviously, we're not interested if it's a private residence. We're not interested if it is uh, a case where the people that you are investigating for would not want it out there. Mm-hmm. But if you're at a you know a public location or if you're at a place where... Uh, you know, people are okay with you sharing that out because there's a difference between, you know, broadcasting out to your audience Mm -hmm. and broadcasting it out to ours. But I do think that that would be a good way to kind of, because I'm trying to come up with a way to help groups let people know that they're out there. You know, we've asked them before, hey, send us in your T-shirts or your hats or whatever, and we'll wear them on the show so at least you get some kind of a mention on the screen. But I feel like, eh, like, if we even do that too much, it feels like product placement. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, like, not every group can afford to, you know, spend 15, 20 bucks to have a shirt printed up to just send it off to us. So this might be a way to be able to get some of the, the interesting aspects of... Because I was talking about the Bridgewater Triangle show with somebody, and I'll talk more about this when we come back from the break as to why I was talking about the Bridgewater Triangle show with somebody, but I was talking about that, and I was talking about how we've now incorporated those live Facebook Live videos with what it is that we do, and it kind of, like, sank to my head, like, that's how we can help people spread the word about what it is that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it and it only it only helps us out because you know we make them a nice little page they can go and use that for their own promotion too. So we'll take a real quick break. We will be back in just about one minute with more spooky South Coast. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You love the new Paranormal Radio app from Talk Stream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, 
and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. And welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and uh, Stephanie Burke and Matt Moniz are both out tonight. Uh, we are coming up on the Christmas holiday. So, uh, you know, people have things that they got to do as part of that. Next year will be right before New Year's. So people have things that they got to do associated with that. But don't worry. Coming up in January, we'll be here pretty much every week. You know, the NFL game stop will be able to be on the radio, at least until the Red Sox season starts. But we'll always be here streaming something for you as well. Um, we do sometimes, if the weather's really bad, we will take the night off because, listen, we love you all, but it's really hard to drive in and drive right. home in a snowstorm if it's really bad. I suppose if you, if you have power, you could do it from your house. I suppose I could. Yeah, we could... We could all Skype in. There's, there's, yeah. We have ways. There's ways. Yeah. There's ways. And so I had mentioned uh, before the break about, uh, you know, I was talking with somebody about the Bridgewater Triangle shows, and that's what kind of gave me the idea of featuring groups by, you know, carrying some of their Facebook Live. And by the way, I'm, I'm talking about after the fact Facebook Lives, not as you're going live, because we're going to watch the video and make sure that it's, you know, appropriate. Uh, judging by where some of these calls meant, you know, we we definitely are going to screen those videos first. But the uh, reason why I was talking about it was, and I, I posted something on Facebook that got a lot of people excited. I posted the book cover of the New England Ghost Files, which is one of the most famous ghost books in this area. And it was written by Charles Turk Robinson, uh, came out uh the early 90s, I believe, and, and, and it's kind of what gave a lot of the, especially the Rehoboth area ghost stories, it gave them kind of new life. And it just so happens that a lot of these stories tie into the Bridgewater Triangle, and they tie into a lot of New England legends. So we're talking about the Red-Headed Hitchhiker story. We're talking about the Hornvine School. We're talking about the Village Cemetery hauntings. We're talking about especially these Rehoboth stories, but once in other areas as well. And that book reignited a lot of those legends and actually introduced a lot of those legends to people for the first time. Well, a few years ago, the author of the book passed away. Charles Stark Robinson passed away. And we had always wanted to have him on the show. And there were times when we came very close to having him on the show. There were times when we actually reached out to him and said, this Saturday night, we definitely got to do it. It's got to be this Saturday night. And we got close, and he would pull out for whatever reason. And there were other times when, you know, he would be agreeing to, to come into the studio other times when he only wanted to be over the phone. There was a lot of back and forth, a lot of hesitation for some reason on his part to come on the show, and we couldn't understand why. And we found out later that it's it's because that he, he had been sick. He had been ill, and he had been battling, battling illness for a while. So he passed away a few years ago, and just kind of coincidentally... I was able to make contact with somebody who was close to the family 
and uh, and 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 knows the family very well, and said, you know, I want to see if I can kind of help you out. And so the the family actually reached out to me this week, and wanted to get some of our past episodes where we talked about Charles Stark Robinson in, in the New England Ghost Files. And so I'm trying to get them to come on. They were going to come on. Then they kind of got cold feet a little bit. So we're going to try to make a plan to meet up with the family coming up in the new year. And uh, and Matt, I haven't told you this, but we'll probably end up doing the show from their home. And there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you off the air. Because I don't want to, I don't want to give anything away now without their permission to kind of talk about it. But um, I think that that would kind of be more comfortable for them, and I think that it's a good way for our audience to get the story. Because I, I feel like that book and the work of Charles Stark Robinson is such a an integral part of Spooky South Coast and what we have talked about for all these years that. We owe it to, they called him Chip, his family called him Chip. We owe it to Chip to tell his story and, and tell who he is and, and give the, the, the details of the man behind the book. And I also feel like if we do it, well, trying to, trying to, Put it in a way where I'm not giving too much. He wants us to do it. Let me just put it like that. He wants us to share his story. There's something, there's 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 a message that he wants to get out. So uh, Chip is uh, Charles Turk Robinson, the author of The New England Ghost Files, who passed away a few years ago. But we are in contact with his family, and uh, I've tried to explain to them, you know, we will be respectful our audience will be respectful, minus a couple knuckleheads whose numbers will block. But it's it's a huge part of New England paranormal legend and lore. So our audience, no matter where they live, are hugely interested in New England legend and lore. So let's bring that to them. So we'll do that. We'll 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 make it all work. We'll do. We'll make whatever concessions we need to make to ensure that uh, that Chip's family is comfortable with coming on and sharing with us. Because we have nothing but reverence for him, we and and for his work. Uh, we are not looking to uh, sensationalize anything. And and again, there's details that I can't really talk about right now until uh, we get uh, permission from them or we get them to actually come on the air and talk about it themselves. Uh, but I, I understand where their hesitation lies, especially because they're not, you know, they're not looking for a spotlight. They actually reached out to me and connected with me, not about coming on the show, but about something else. But I feel like, I feel like Chip wants them to come on to talk about it. So... We'll look more into that, and again, as I said, we'll make the concessions that are necessary uh, to be able to make that happen. I think we can pull it off, and I think it'll be something special as we head into year 13. Year 13 of the show is coming up. We'll have our anniversary in just a couple of weeks. 
Uh, there's been some talk about maybe getting together somewhere and, and having some sort of a party because it is a it is a Saturday night. We could do a live broadcast somewhere where people could come out and watch us. Maybe we could um, raise some money for charity. Maybe we could. I, th- I think I know how to make it happen. The gears are turning in my head. Things are starting to click. We'll see what happens. But uh, I think I know the place. I think I know the charity. I think I know the angle that we can take with it. And I think people will have a good time. Now, keep in mind, this could all fall apart. and We'll just be sitting in here eating a cake from Stop and Shop. Which, you know, that's still a pretty good birthday. What do we usually do? We usually get... Uh, Moniz usually brings in champagne, right? Yep. Uh, a modestly priced bottle. And then, and then nobody really drinks it? Yep. And then we tell them each year, like, you probably don't need to get champagne because nobody drinks it. But uh, And then it sits in the newsroom, half drank for most of the year. There's a call on the line. Should we take it? Uh, if they want. I mean... What's the worst that's going to happen? It's a private call. So let me turn on the other program so we get the number. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hello? Hi, you're on the air. Yeah. This is saying Z. You fucking nigga, this I don't even get, like, what's the point of that? Like, shouldn't you at least try? Uh, anyway, where's where's Jay when you need him? My friend Jay used to be the best at prank calls. You know, he used to prank call all the time, and he's got he has audio from it from the nineties. He used to prank call Dave Kane. Oh yeah, and Dave Kane would get so worked up. It was so good, but at least then it was you know there was thought behind it wasn't just call up and say words that you're not supposed to say. By the way, I don't know what the point is because it's going to be um, it's going to be deleted because we're not playing that on the Dark Matter Digital Network on the rebroadcasts. There's another call coming in. I can't believe this. No, you know what? I am going to take this call. Listen, I am sick and tired of all of your crap with all of your colligated, all of this stuff. And I'm just kidding. I know who it is. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Jim? <laughs> I, I figured if I could mess with anybody, it would be you. How are you? Yeah, I figured that you needed a credible call. Well, I mean, you don't have to be fully credible. And I'm not that credible, but at least I'll not swear or use racist terms on the on the air. Right. I, hey. You know, whatever whatever needs to make you feel like you're not the small person that you are. Not that you are. I just mean the other callers. Right, right. I get it. So uh, I, It's amazing. I mean, how many of all the people that call in, you get four pranks in a row? That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's the new thing now. It's, That's it, a shame. Yeah, that was a new thing back in the 70s when we used to call in. We used to call the bowling alley and ask them if they had 10-pound balls. That was funny. 
not. <laughs> I like that one. So, but in talking about the um, the New England Ghost Files, Mark, I know that you're somebody who has been to a lot of the locations, especially during our Bridgewater Triangle shows. But you've been to the locations that are covered in that book. Yes. And so I'm That's, sure that ha- yeah, hearing your stories from the book is what made me and my friends go out to these spots. As a matter of fact. So I know that you know getting that inside story would would help fill in some some puzzle pieces for you in, in the things that you've done out there. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm all fired up, and I'm hoping you're hinting around the fact that maybe they're the spirit of him is in their house, and that's why you're going. But I'm sure you're not ready to release that. I, I cannot confirm or deny. Yeah. Okay. But, but uh, anyway, um, when you were talking about earlier. Um, what you think is going to happen for the following year? I'm noticing a big swell towards UFO stuff. And you now are. there's new Project Blue Book things, so right. whether real or because it's going to be on TV. But I think UFOs are going to be the big thing for 2019. See, I, I, I mean, I know that the Project Blue Book thing is coming out, but I don't know if UFOs are going to be that prevalent in pop culture. I mean. uh I'm trying to think of what else is coming on the entertainment docket that could help fuel that. Well, I mean, hopefully that Project Blue Book took off. When I was a kid, that was like the first real paranormal show I knew. There was that and there was In Search Of. That made me realize a whole new world out there. So I'm hoping it'll follow. But with the you released, as a matter of fact, on Twitter, CIA released all those files from UFOs and all that kinds of stuff. So... That's not going to hurt the whole field. I think it'll only help it. Right, but again, it does also keep it kind of in that uh, in that sense of where it needs to be um, revisionist. You know, it's not like we're, we still can't go out there and actively search for UFOs. You know, we're not going to see a, a series where people are out there looking for these things to happen, which is weird because, you know, we're talking with Moniz last week, and he says, uh, you know, there's there's certain people that when they're abducted, they kind of know something's going to happen. Well, if that's the case, why can't there be a camera crew there to, to document it when it does happen? I put that in the chat, which I can't log into the chat for some reason tonight, but yeah. If Matt's abducted that often, and I'm sure he is, he wouldn't lie about it, and I believe him more than anyone. Why doesn't he throw, like, especially when he gets the feeling it's going to happen, throw a camera on himself. Let's let's watch, other than the fact he sleeps naked. We don't want to see that, but maybe that night he could wear sweatpants, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, maybe it's spooky action at a distance, too. You know, maybe just, uh, maybe just observing it, knowing that there's going to be a camera there makes him not show up. That's another thing, too. I mean, if... They're smart enough to get from there to here. I'm sure they're smart enough to know if there's a camcorder on scene. But also, you know, not to but, not trying to describe, not not trying to uh, argue about anything that Mo- Moni said. But that's also an easy out too for people to say, well, you know, if you if if we had a camera crew show up, then they're not going to show up. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, how how can we prove that to be true or not true? You know, so there there's a lot of questions, and there's still questions that I had from last week's show that you know we just didn't push and get into. But we we did get a lot of compliments from people about that show for for getting Moniz to open up, and you know I I I feel like almost like okay, you can pat us on the back for doing that show, but you also have to say to us why did it take so long for us to to do that and, and to have him open up like that. Well, you explained you didn't want to put him on the spot, and that's not it was there for. And and that's true. You don't want to put him on the spot. You you certainly want Matt to be comfortable. I'm sure that's uncomfortable enough to talk about it. 
never mind living through it. I wouldn't want to have to throw him on the on the stage every single week about that too. But the fact that he's a trusted part of the crew, we all know him, gives a legitimacy to hear his stories and how often it happens. Yeah, but he's also the kind of guy too where he knows that that information would help somebody. And, and and sharing that information would help somebody with their own experiences. So you do kind of say, well, think of all the people that you could have helped if you just told us about that, you know, ten years ago. Not, not I mean, not to not to ask him questions when he's not here to answer them, but you know, just the, these are some of the points that people brought up uh, over the last week. But for the most part, people seem to think that it was a, a, a riveting show. So that just means we're going to have to get him to open up about it some more sometime in the future. Yeah, great. When uh, you had that first Edaville, uh haunted night there i went and i i asked him about it he told me a couple of the stories and and you know they're exactly the same stories he told last week and it was great you know i i wish he'd share more or we'd have more people on we you guys would have more people on that are frequent uh flyers with with the aliens you know that we know and that you know are speaking from the heart the problem is is there are some people that have made the rounds amongst the paranormal media who claim to be frequent, you know, UFO abductees, and, and certainly we could talk to them, but there's just as many people out there that we don't know about that, you know, could also be coming on for the first time and, and sharing those uh, experiences with us. I think the key is, though, is you, you just have to have somebody where, like you said, you know, Moniz has that, that credibility of having been part of the show all these years. That's the biggest obstacle with a lot of these stories is you hear them and you just don't know how credible they are. That's why, you know, if it's anybody that we're going to talk to, he, if there's anybody UFO-wise that we bring onto the show, I always mention it to him first because he will tell me either he's dealt with them directly or, you know, has traveled in the circles of people who have dealt with them directly. Uh, just because it is such a, it's an easy thing for people to claim just for attention. True. And it's like you were saying about a live show. Yeah, it's almost impossible. I mean, look how much sky there is. You couldn't possibly cover it. And that night we did the Bridgewater Triangle show and we saw something up in the sky. It was too far away to, to even catch on video. Right. So there was no proof of it. And that's that's the tough part. Absolutely. Well, uh, definitely keep January 26th open, Mark, because I think we're going to try and do something birthday-wise for the show, and uh, and we'd love to have you there. Great. All right. I look forward to it. All right. Merry Christmas to you and to your whole family. You too. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. And uh, that is Mark, uh, who has been part of the show, you know, been a, a frequent listener and caller all the way going back to the beginning, and uh, and one of our favorite people, not only associated with the show but even outside of the show as well there's there's very few people in this world that you can openly just start talking about this stuff with and so when you meet the people that you can have these conversations with and that it feels comfortable right away those are the good ones and mark is definitely one of those people uh going back into the idea though of uh coming up in the new year uh some of the things that we're going to talk about there's there's um I'm in the process of booking a guest that will be coming on to talk about Atlantis, which is something that we have never covered before. I, I can't even think of an episode of the show where it even came up briefly. So I'm very excited to be able to talk about that. And we are open to any other ideas that you may have. If there's topics that you want us to cover that you don't think that we have, 
or that we haven't covered enough, or maybe there's guests that you've never heard on the show. I've gotten a bunch of guest suggestions uh, this week from people. Uh, or maybe there's an old favorite, somebody that you haven't heard on the show in a while and they want us to bring back, like Matt wants us to bring back Dr. Turry. Uh, just let us know. Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, as we say every year, you know, we want to make sure that we take things in a direction where it stays interesting for the audience because it's easy to do a show like this for as long as we have with really very little change in what we do. And you kind of just become complacent in it. You know, you kind of just say, all right, we're going to go and do the show. We're going to do the show that we do every week, and we're going to do it like this, and this is how it's going to be. And there's a chance of getting stale. Like, I'm not trying to compare myself to Art Bell, but that's the only other person I can think about is, you know, Coast to Coast AM, whether it be Art or George, who has done the same show for as long without switching things up. Like, even Darkness Radio has changed their format over the years and, and become Beyond the Darkness and True Crime Tuesday, and now Dave's hosting Midnight in the Desert. And, you know, even Coast to Coast has weekend hosts to bring in different voices and all of that. So, you know, we just want to make sure that we don't get stale. We want to make sure that if you're going to keep tuning in each Saturday night or listening to us on podcasts, as so many of you do, we want to make sure that we're making it worth your time. And the best way that we can do that is to give you the topics and the guests that you want to hear from. So Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com, and we will do our best to try and fill in all those requests. Uh, Age of Quarrel in the chat room says, do a skepticism show. Uh, we have, we've done some skepticism shows in the past, but for some reason, you know, we just don't get as many offers from the skeptics to come on. So maybe we should reach out and, and find some of them. Uh, they do listen. I do get emails from them saying, you know, contesting some of the things that they've heard on some of the shows, but they just don't want to come on and discuss and debate. One of my favorite episodes, for those of you who uh, are digging through the archives, and I know a lot of folks have recently just discovered the show, uh, maybe finding us through through LGAB or finding us through uh, Midnight in the Desert or what have you. Um, if you go back and find so the Steve Volk episode, I want to say it was 2013, uh, Steve Volk wrote a book called Fringology, and he was a journalist, not a paranormal researcher, just a journalist, and he looked into the paranormal question from that perspective. And, uh, and, and it was one of the freshest takes that I've heard on paranormal phenomena in a long, long time. Uh, if you want to go back and, and find that episode, I would, I would say listen to that. And certainly, I, re I reread the book at least once a year because it's it's just that good. So you can pick that up and, and kind of see where it was that uh, we took that show and why we took it in that direction. So we will look for some more skeptics as well. Um, you know, I've I've really, I've reached out many times to, to Michael Shermer to have him come on because I want to find out why, you know, more about the process of going from being skeptical to having an experience uh, to say, okay, I've had this experience, but now I'm still skeptical about some other ones, and just see kind of how that's affected the the work that he's done. Um, and of course, we've had uh, Ben Radford on the show, and so you know we can certainly reach out to them and, and reach out to some other ones uh, as well. 
But uh, again, you know, this is we just do this show for the audience and for ourselves to continue to ask these questions and continue to explore these topics. We're like, well, we don't make any money off of this show. I mean, we we did get some really great candy from Anna. That's true. A lot of it's gone. She she brought us our our Christmas candy. Thank you very much, Anna. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did snack on a lot of that chocolate, and, and it was on, on it. it was yep. on the snack cam earlier. Yep, not proud of it. And so I, I do want to end the the show here with with the one burning question that we are left with as a result of tonight's show: Is it caramel <laughs> or is it caramel? The question was asked on the snack cam prior to the start of the show, and Matt had a pull up, and I think caramel was far and away the winner. Yeah, I from what I, I could see, caramel was. That's what I say. That's it's it's caramel. There's a C. There's an A. There's an R. There's an A, and then M E L. So it's spelled caramel. So I don't know how people can say caramel, unless they're saying like caramel, Maybe. and they're just like saying it so fast over that A. Like that's all. Is that that's caramel? But do you um, caramelize onions? That's true, but that's but, but that's not the same thing. I don't think. I don't think caramelizing onions is the same as the caramel that <laughs> we is, put into candy. This is this is a whole and other show. Beds. This is well, regional dialects <laughs> always fascinate me. What what do you clip out of the Sunday paper to save money at the store? Do you clip coupons or coupons? Coupons. <laughs> it's a coupon. I mean, I say coupon because it's a coupon. I don't know where coupon comes from. Coupon, coupon, yeah. For it to be coupon, the the, the U would have to it would have to be C U, not C O U. Coupon. Right, I agree. So I don't I don't understand. And like I hear people who are you know very good speakers. Otherwise, you know, working in radio, people who have great diction and 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 mm-hmm. you know have a have good mastery of language and they say well if you go here you can get a coupon no you can't you can get a coupon imagine that getting getting like an evp and it's like caramel or caramel you're like did you say caramel or caramel <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that's there's there's coupon? another there's another did word too. To say coupon? there's another word too that's like coupon where people say it wrong but i can't think of what it is i don't Caribbean. Caribbean. Right. I mean, Billy Ocean said it Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure pretty sure he was from there, wasn't he? Isn't he from Trinidad? With a name like Billy Ocean, I guess. He would live by the ocean. Actually, he says Caribbean. Caribbean. Caribbean queen. <laughs> like, it's it's really hard to tell which way he's taking it based on the song. But uh, how does uh how do they say it at Disneyland? Is it Pirates of the Caribbean? Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh no, it's it's Pirates of the Caribbean from Disney, right? That's what I've always heard. Like the commercials for the movie, mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean five or whatever number they're on. So maybe it is Caribbean. Age of Quarrel says February or February. <laughs> I say February. Library or library? No, it's not library. <laughs> Pumpkin or pumpkin? No, not pumpkin. 
So those are just some questions we will leave you to ponder uh, over the Christmas break here. And uh, we'll be back next week with another show. And we'll, we will talk some more 2019 predictions. Uh, and, of course, we'll, you know, take serious calls on that next week. Uh, so give it, a, give it a week to kind of think about some of those things and uh, think about what it is that you want to, um, you know, wh- what it is you want to zero in on in making those predictions. Because... You know, we're talking about paranormal predictions, but it can go on a, on a wide variety of things. It could be anything from, you know, the, the geopolitical scene to, uh, you know, just talking about uh, what kind of weird woo stuff is going to happen in the future. And speaking of woo, don't forget, the Bart L. Christmas Woo-tacular debuts tomorrow. I think it's 6.30 Eastern Time uh, on KingdomOfNighRadio.com. But if you just follow Bart L. on Twitter... You will be able to find out all about the Bart L. Spook, t- uh, the Bart L. Wootacular, sorry, mm-hmm. and all the people that have turned down the Wootacular. He has an all-star lineup of people that refuse to do the show. Really? Is so there, I, I don't. Is there the Wootang one? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But you know who I think is involved in the show? Your boy. I got a lot of boys. Falky. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. So uh, check that out. That'll be happening tomorrow night. And, uh, again, if you want to reach us at any point during the week, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, at SpookySC. You can join us uh, on Facebook and, and like us there. You can follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. Pretty much anywhere where you can reach out to people, we'll be there. We'll be there to talk with you. And, you, of course, you can follow me individually as well. Speaking of uh, myself, on January 4th, I'll be hosting Midnight in the Desert. I'll be guest hosting for Dave Schrader. Make sure you tune in because, listen, January 4th is my birthday. And I'm not going to be one of those people that, like, you know, puts up on Facebook, I want you to donate to a charity for my birthday and all that kind of stuff. All I want for my birthday is for people to tune in to Midnight in the Desert, join in the fun, share it out there, spread the word, and uh, and just be part of the... Part of the program that night for my birthday. And Smokey can buy me a 40. That'll do it for this week's show. Until next week, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular. <laughs>